Hello, and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Tim Houston, CEO of Legal Wills. Legal Wills is an online will kit that helps the millions of people out there who don't have a will, believe it or not, to find a simple and easy solution that will give them a legal and compliant will to help take care of their estate when they finally pass. And with that, here's my interview with Tim. Tim, thanks for taking time today. Oh, you're very welcome, Jason. Um, thank you for having me on. My pleasure. So, uh, Tim Houston of Legal Wills, tell us about Legal Wills. So, about sixty-five uh, percent of Canadians don't have a will, and there is never a good situation—a situation where it makes sense to not have a will. So, we set about quite some time ago now trying to rectify that uh, situation. So, our mandate is to just remove all of the barriers to preparing a will, and we've been growing over twenty years. We try to make it as an affordable and as accessible as we possibly can because we think it's a vital document that everybody needs. It is a vital document everybody needs. And I'll tell you, when it's not there, you don't, you don't feel it until you need it. And when it's not there, oh boy, does it hurt. Okay. So tell me about the history of legal wills. How did it come to be? Yeah. So it came about 23 years ago now. So... Myself and my co-founder, Henry Roud, who is still my business partner to this day, the two of us are co-founders and we're still in it. We used to work for Nortel. Back in the day, we were in high tech. There is a name from the past. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so for some of your younger listeners who may not be familiar, but it was a big company, but it was all, at the time, it was doing very well. And it was around the dot-com boom and the turn of 2000, 2001. And we used to go out for drinks after work. And there was one time we went out for drinks and there was about 15 of us sitting around the table. And one of us brought up this topic of saying, you know what, I really need to have a will, but I haven't done it. And we went around the table and these were all professionals. We had families, we had jobs, we were all, there was no reason why we shouldn't, and not one single person around the table had a will. And we got to thinking, and there must be, First off, a reason why that's happened. And secondly, there must be an easier way. Why aren't people preparing their will? Because everyone around the table knew it was important, yet nobody had taken the steps to do it. So we started working with some lawyers to see if we could fix that problem. Excellent. So as I like to say all the time, of course, no one wants to deal with this. It involves two things that people hate. Administration, well, three things, administration, lawyers, and death. Right. Like yeah. talk about the Venn diagram of this is the last thing you're going to want to do, at least for the average person. I got lawyer friends, so that's fine. All right. So basically you did that. That's how it came to be. Tell me about how you tackled the, the problem. So back around that time, there were will kits that you could buy and they were heavily advertised on the TV. They were basically just a blank form that you could fill in. And uh, they were generally poor and uh, they had quite a bad reputation for making mistakes. So we thought, well, we should be able to guide people through the process. Go online, allow somebody to go online. And this is actually, this predates tax software that has now become the de facto way of filing your taxes. But we had this vision that we could do it in a very similar way. It was, (laughs) I'm really going to date myself, but it was back at a time where Microsoft used to have this paperclip that would guide people through Microsoft Office. But yes, it was annoying, but it was actually quite a way of stepping people through different steps to getting things done. And 
we looked at that and we thought, well, we don't need to do the actual bendy man and anything like that, but we could think of a way of stepping somebody through that process to prepare their will. So we worked with different lawyers, estate planning lawyers, and and finally put it online in 2003, which was actually at a time where I think there was obviously some anxiety around putting all of this kind of information online. But over the years, it grew and acceptance of it, it became a more familiar process for people, particularly when tax software came online. But it's fair to say, I think we were probably ahead of the game, too far ahead of the game, probably ready with something before the world was ready for it, but we stuck it out. And and now it's become, I think, a pretty standard way of preparing a, a will or a more familiar way of preparing a will now. Excellent. So yes, it was novel. It's a little bit more commonplace. And there's a lot of competition out there, let's face it. There's a bunch of places, but you guys have been around for how many years now? 23. Yeah, we started in 2001. Jeez, yeah. Well, talk about, well, talk about online wills at the genesis of, of the internet. Well, well done. So, okay. So basically, you, you know, pioneered a lot of this in this country, which is great. But you've, you know, you're not just, I won't say you're just, not just putting together wills. You're putting together other documents and you have different packages. Kara, take us through what it is. Actually, you know what? Let's, let's stop with, we'll start with the will. What's the workflow of someone who goes on to get your basic will done? What does that look like? How long does it take? What is it? What's involved in it? So you go to legalwills.ca and click on get started. And there's going to, there's a, an onboarding that takes place, which really determines whether our service would be suitable for you. And there's some circumstances where it's not. And we would say, you know what, you really need to go and see a lawyer. If you had a child with special needs, for example, or you had a corporate entity where you wanted to put that into a secondary will. There's some reasons why our service might not be a good fit. But you go through that onboarding and assuming that you are a good fit, and I would say 95% of people are now, we've grown and evolved the service over the years to capture most people, I think. And then we guide you through 10 steps, and it's going to be entering your family situation, the key appointments like an executor and a guardian, and then describing the distribution of your estate, including charitable bequests, pet trusts, things like that. And at the end, you're going to then save it, pay for it, $39.95, and then download the document, sign it in the presence of two witnesses, and you're done. You have your legal will. And if for whatever reason you feel you've not quite got it right or something occurs to you a few weeks down the road where you think, oh, I forgot about this charity, I, I was going to include them, you can just go back, you can make a few changes, you can get it exactly the way you want it with no additional fees. So it's download it, print it, sign it, and you're done. Yeah. Good. All right. So you do that pretty quick, pretty painless, it sounds like. And as you said, you don't have to get it right the first time. You can go back and, uh, and do stuff later. Now, you do have some upsells from there. So talk to me about, so you start with the legal will. I'm going to go through all of them. You, let me tell, let you tell the story of how they're all different. So then you have, you get the last one testament, you get a premium that comes with additional benefits, funeral wishes, final messages, key holders. Talk to me about all three of those. Yeah, we actually had this key holder idea right from the very beginning. And it was the idea that you could put information online and uh, then make it available to the key people who needed that information at the right time. So it was kind of digitizing the sealed envelope, don't open this until the Unless something yeah. happens to me. And it occurred to us quite early on that that wasn't a really good approach to keeping 
something secret and then releasing it at the appropriate time and not before. So we created this idea of a key holder and then the messages service. And the messages isn't supposed to be anything subverse or anything. It could be as simple as saying, just to let you know, I've got some cash in the back of my closet. Make sure you find that. Or I do have an account with some Bitcoin in it. Make sure that that's discovered. So it can be any kind of message that you want people to know about after you've gone but not before you've gone necessarily. So that's the whole key holder thing and the messages. And then beyond that, we have other estate planning documents, a financial power of attorney and a living will, which are documents that are in place if you lose capacity, but you want somebody to make decisions on your behalf, either medical decisions or financial decisions on your behalf. And then we move into the premium packages, which really sets us apart where we have two key services. One is called LifeLocker and the other one is a digital vault. Mm-hmm. And that that vault is the same idea as the messages, but amped up a little bit where you can actually upload files for your executor and your loved ones, whether it be your favorite recipes, photos, a spreadsheet of all your user IDs and passwords. It can be anything. You can upload any f- file and it will be made available to your loved ones after you pass. And LifeLocker is a critical service that we released probably halfway through our lifespan, so maybe 10 years ago. And it was this idea that in your will, you say, I leave my entire estate to my spouse or divided between my children. And your executive then has to figure out what the extent of your entire estate is. And even writing it down yourself can be challenging. It used to be our parents would have maybe a checking account and a savings account, and that would be about it. But now we have assets all over the place. And so if that executive ends up being your brother-in-law, what chance do they have of gathering up and finding all of your assets? So this allows you to keep an ongoing inventory of your assets encrypted in the cloud. And then after you pass, your executive can log in and it becomes a handbook for them to ensure that nothing goes undiscovered. And it has all of the contact details of the people who need to be notified as well. So that's that's in our more premium pack. Good, excellent. Now I noticed in particular, you've your messages is also targeted around certain use cases I don't see typically targeted, and I'll, I'll go into that. So you're talking about different packages for additional kind of building your own systems. You you buy you've made this all pick and choose, right? So people can go in, get their powers of attorney, get their 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 wills. I'm going to go back to the power of attorney one in particular because this one I find interesting. One of the things I tell clients all the time is that, guess what? Your kid just turned 18. Yeah, you probably need a power of attorney. And the reason is because they're so used to being able to, with doctors and whatever else it is, basically make decisions on behalf of their children. The second they turn 18, that ain't the case anymore. So this, uh, you know, having a affordable solution for being able to say, go here, get this done, because anything happens, this is going to cut off a lot, cut out a lot of issues for you down the road. But you also have living wills. One thing I'm going to commend you on right here, expatriate will. Uh, talk to me about that and the need for it and why you added it. So as we evolved the product, we launched in Canada first, then we launched in the US and the UK and then South Africa. So we're in many countries now. Every time we release a, a new country is working with local lawyers to, we thought in our naivety, well, we've got Canada, let's just hop over the border and do the US. Well, turns out it was actually quite complicated to do that. And it is quite complicated to launch into any new country. Or actually, even as we launched into 
Quebec, which we did just a couple of years ago, is a whole new jurisdiction. It takes a lot of work to do that. But then once we had done that work, we realized we can actually allow people to cover assets in these different countries as well as their assets in Canada. And it was a high use case where people said, well, I actually have a condo in Florida. Can I write that into my will? And it got us thinking, it's like, well, we could adapt the US service to allow people to do that, but have two wills complementary to each other, one covering Canadian assets and one covering, covering US assets. And we do the same for the UK, South Africa as well. So it allows you to really create multi-jurisdictional documents that work together. Yep, good. Because frankly, it's not something people often think about. And the fact that they're also, you know, I will always say, I, I never cease to amaze me how people just think these lines that are that constitute borders are just imaginary lines and things don't change when you cross them other than the currency. Because all law does, all law does. And it's- Well, it's, the, yeah, what's really challenging about it and is that you need a lawyer to work with you who's licensed to practice law in the jurisdiction that you have that asset. So it's actually quite challenging. And even we have it where if a Canadian is overseas, they're in Dubai, but they're there for a couple of years on a placement, but they need a Canadian will to cover their assets back in Canada. It's actually really challenging to do that because they would have to work with a lawyer and sign the document with that lawyer who's located in Canada. You're not going to get a Canadian lawyer necessarily in Dubai. So it's interesting you you point this out because I was speaking to a lawyer who does work with a law firm in Florida to do to offer this exact service, but they charge four thousand dollars for one of these expat wills, and then they're, they're saying you're charging thirty nine dollars and ninety five cents for this expat will. It just doesn't. How is that possible? And it's just really a fortunate byproduct of the fact that we're multi jurisdictional and we quite frankly don't need to charge more than that because. It's software that's doing it for us, but we are competing against very, very high-priced lawyers in offering that service. Excellent. So let's talk about where you fit and where you don't fit, right? So you can handle certain cases. Where is the line, and how do you how do you determine that? How do you communicate that to to the potential users? As I as I mentioned, we do have an onboarding process, and quite frankly, now there aren't that many circumstances that it, that we don't cover because the areas that we do cover, for example. Lifetime interest trust for blended families. We do that. We we didn't when we first started the service, but over time we realized it was a really big issue, a good segment of the population. I think it's about 18% of the population are blended families with children from different marriages. And we wanted to support that. And without wanting to go into, into the weeds too much here, but what typically happens is if you're a blended family, and you both bring in children from previous marriages, if you just leave everything to your spouse, and then that spouse outlives you for 10 years, they may have nothing to do with your children, they, they weren't their children, and then they rewrite their will and leave everything to their children, your children have been left out in the cold. They're not going to receive anything of your estate. So the way around that is to create a lifetime interest trust where your new spouse can either live in the house for the rest of their life, but when they die, it then falls to your children. So we're one of the few, if I think maybe the only service provider that covers that blended family situation. And it was a, a blind spot for us for quite some time. But now the only areas that we can't do a Henson Trust for a child with special needs. Mm. And we're kind of looking into that, but it's complicated. And we don't do 
secondary corporate wills. And the other key difference is we don't provide legal advice. So if you have a specific situation and you don't know how the law applies to your situation, we can't give you advice on that. So we can only give you general information about wills and the use of our service. And if you need legal advice, then you need to speak to a lawyer. Well, I mean, that's that's the entire idea. You're, you're here to deal with the masses who probably don't have any level of complexity, right? They've got a very simple case. I send people to legal will kits all the time simply because I assess. I mean, I know enough to assess them to say, okay, your situation is simple enough that you can be handled by one of these. And it does work well. well I mean, it, it does create an interesting, interesting issue because, well, interesting binary decision because you go from, you go from the option of a couple hundred bucks to if you flip a switch or go past a certain line, then suddenly it's, it's over a thousand, right? So there's this, just this big cost chasm, but it is what it is. It's the cost of a professional for the complexity in your life, which frankly makes it worthwhile. Yeah, I think that I have a couple of things to say about that. Firstly, I think that law firms are still overcharging for a simple will because oftentimes you will go in there and they will ask you to complete a form in the lobby yeah. and they're going and you're going to pass that to a clerk who's going to put it in some software and generate your will for you. And there's no reason why that should be costing 5 or 600 dollars. And the other part of that is that many people who come to our service have previously prepared a will with a lawyer and then want to make a change, want to make an update. And that lawyer is going to quote them $600 to change the name of the executor or something like that. And it's yep. just unreasonable and it's not fair. And there's no reason why it should be that expensive. So we often get the question is, like, how come you're so cheap? And the counter to that is, well, how come that's so expensive? And I can understand it if it's legal advice and sophisticated estate planning techniques. As I can, we have an accountant who does works magic, and, and that's value for money for us. But a will writer preparing a four-page simple will, that should not be $600. Yeah, and here's the thing. I think that the reality is when you get to a level of complexity where there are complex stuff and these things do cost 1000 2000 whatever it is, there's value there, right? Because you're, you're paying for expertise. What really grinds me is similar to what you just said. It's when you get these, for lack of a better term, it's almost always a generalist estate lawyer, right? A generalist estate lawyer who, it's not an estate lawyer, they do real estate law and they do this other form of law and they do seven different forms of law. And quite frankly, they're not great at any of them. In fact, I'll infamously tell a tale of a generalist a lawyer who was a staff member of mine, walked in and said, would you mind reviewing my will? I'm working it out with my lawyer right now. And... Basically, he left it with me and I started reading it and he gets to my door and I said, turn around. He's like, what? I'm like, this is worthless. He's like, what? I'm like, they forgot the first clause. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, there's a revocation clause that says, I hereby revoke all previous wills so that there's no confusion. This is standard template for every last will. It was not there. Wow. First page, I can tell it was garbage. I said to him, tell me you didn't, let me guess, you didn't go to an estate lawyer. You went to some corner shop lawyer. He's like, yeah, he's the guy who did, our, did my house at the same time. I'm like, fire like this is abysmal this is abysmal yeah. like there's there's really no excuse for that quite honestly especially given the fact that he was using a template so at some point he deleted that that clause so, and, and i think that i mean you make the point there that no lawyer and particularly a lawyer who's out of their main expertise area they're not going to start with a blank piece of paper and a typewriter and say last will and testament right? God, no it's fine <laughs> to replace it's fine to replace 90 percent of the time i mean but, you know they may some of these guys may crap on legal on on, on online wills and whatever saying that they're templated or whatever. Like, sorry, you're all working from a template, right? Like even, even the more advanced wills are working from a template because 
the terms are basically the same across the board for a lot of things. It's the modification of those terms that you need to understand. And that's where the expertise comes in. When you're not modifying them, it's just a find and replace. So yeah, so I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I, I actually wish that it was, frankly, that the those looking for the quick buck from the just use a service like yours. And sometimes people think I'm cynical, like, well, I don't get it. They're, they're a lawyer, blah, 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 right? And my response is always, well, what do you call the person who had the lowest grades on the bar exam? Lawyer, yeah. right? Doesn't mean yeah. you want to deal with them, right? Yeah. You don't want the person who got passed by one mark, right? Like, right. so it is yeah. what it is. We often get people who say, look, I've got to go on a trip. I'm leaving tomorrow. I What's need that? a will in place. I'm going to use your service. And then when I get back, I'm going to do a proper one with a lawyer. And they come back and do the lawyer's one. It's like, it's word for word identical. The one that was just prepared by a lawyer. And of course it is, because we're using the exact same will precedents that they're using. And we, we basically use the same software, but put a user-friendly front end on it. That's what we've done. Yeah, and absolutely. And now the, the funny thing about that, that entire thing you just said there, this is what drives me nuts. It makes me laugh every time. It is the, I am going getting on a plane. I need a will. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I find that hilarious because again, flying is safer than driving. Okay. It's in fact, like the probability of you dying in an airline disaster is near zero. But <laughs> for some reason, this is the general fear of flying. This is what people basically, which triggers them, which I find hilarious because frankly, I, I'm often like, I'll hear this and like, so you, you did that, but I've also been in the car with you and seen you drive and somehow that doesn't scare you. Right. right. <laughs> like, but- Frankly, you should be. There's a lot. There's a, don't get me wrong. If, if, if it's the trigger that makes you do it, so be it. But for anyone listening, if you're waiting around to say, oh, I'm going on vacation, I should probably get a will, you're thinking of it wrong. You face far greater risks just crossing the street on a daily basis than you do going getting in a plane. But the counter to that is I've had people say to me, fortunately, I don't need a will yet. I'm getting one for my mom. Right? And it's like, well, when do you think you're going to need this will? Yeah, will. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not scheduled to die right now. Right, right. So and, I, mean, I got an appointment. I got an appointment. I mean, my appointment's at age 101. I mean, I don't know about yours, but <laughs> a date and time. I got plenty of time. No problem. Like, no, right. that's not how the world works. Yeah. And we're, we're trying to change. And it, it's a battle for us is to try and disassociate the idea of writing a will with dying. And we want to make writing a will part of financial planning. You've got your financial plans in order. You've got maybe you've got a retirement plan. You've got a life insurance plan. Where's your estate plan? Where's your will? And it's not something that you should be done in contemplation of dying. And I think back in, I hope, I don't know whether that's changing, but certainly back in the day, we certainly heard from people who told their family members that they'd written a will and the family's all suddenly really worried about them. Why have you written a will? Is that something we should know? And we're trying to change that perspective a little. Yeah, you know, it's it's almost as I mean the most ridiculous stance is well I didn't do that the guy the person writing a will basically is a bad omen you're going to die it's like excuse right. me like yeah you think everybody if everybody went and everybody died after writing a will these estate lawyers would be out of business pretty quickly right like <laughs> the the reality is people are afraid of death and they will make up whatever excuse they have to to not to not basically have to think about it. So the other key group of people who use our service are people who have dealt with an estate that didn't have a will. So whether it's that my father just died, he didn't have a will, and I do not want to put my family through what my father's just put us through. 
And that's one of the key triggers to writing a will is yeah. realizing what an absolute nightmare it is to die without one. And we say, if you love people now while you're alive, then just do the nice thing. And well, just I'll say the it. opposite, which is if you want people to despise you and curse your name after <laughs> you're gone, go ahead and leave a disorganized estate. The amount, I mean, one of, some of the most heartbreaking things I've seen is the look of contempt on the family's face for the deceased, for the giant mess that they left. Yeah. Especially when there is a, a spouse who say not involved in, in the finances, or maybe there's a language yeah. barrier there. And I remember one case, which, which was crazy. I met with them six months after the, the father died because they'd only found out, just found out he had an insurance policy from a, a something arriving at the, at the house. That was it. So yeah. brutal. Brutal. The amount of, like I said, if you want, if you want your family to hate you after you're gone, go ahead and do nothing. Right. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I would probably, if you want them to not get along with each other, that's the other thing. Absolutely. So, absolutely vital. All right. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I asked everybody on a positive note, as opposed to just talking about death and families that choose. <laughs> the first one is if you had one wish for something to change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? I think in the industry as a whole, I would really wish it, this is a, a pipe dream wish, that there was less legalese. And I think that there's a tendency for the legal community to overcomplicate, use elaborate arcane language to make it inaccessible. It doesn't need to be that way. And ultimately, if you think of a will, it's just a clear instruction for what you want to happen. It doesn't have to say a give, devise, bequeath to the aforesaid and all of those difficult words that people just generally don't use. So if we could lose the legalese, I would be very happy. All right. Second question for you. What's been the hardest challenge, most difficult challenge in getting your company to where it is to date? Figuring out the speed of growth. We bootstrapped the company. We've never taken outside investment. We've never gone into debt. But as a result, we've grown steadily, but not meteorically. I think we're a little bit risk averse with that growth as well, but understanding, trying to establish what is a good rate of growth, I think has been quite challenging for us. Yeah. I mean, you can die of starvation. You can die of indigestion. It's, it's a <laughs> challenge. It's a challenge either way. And last question for you is what keeps you getting out of bed in the morning every day to keep on fighting the good fight for you know, as long as you've been doing it and continue to do so? Because it's still a huge problem. We, we do get feedback from customers that, we do help families. We do everybody who's used our service over the years, and we're talking a million people over the years, over those 20 years, every single one of them's better off for having used our service than either going without a will or overpaying for a will. So just knowing that we are helping people and their families day in, day out, and also charities as well. We have a section on charitable bequests. There is a, a lot of money that has been included as planned giving within wills that have been created through our service. So I think we've had a social impact as well over the years. Glad to hear it. So thank you so much for your time, Tim. Very much appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. So that was today's interview with Tim Houston of Legal Wills. Hope you enjoyed that. And as always, well, before we even get to that point, if you don't have a will, just please go to the website or even another website. You know, the bottom line is, is that really this is a terrible thing to leave to people is a un, unorganized estate. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, take care. 
This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.